Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Nothing that mattered in the first half mattered to us, you know, starting in the second half. So that was, you know, our message was just finish, finish, finish. Because, you know, there's been too many times this season where we've been up. You know, we, we didn't do a good job of finishing. So, again, just going back, proud of everyone uh, for fighting through the end, you know, no matter what had happened and, you know, finishing the game out and, you know, ultimately got the dub. So, Turnovers, you know, um, really control the game. And so it starts with me and taking care of the football with my decision making. No matter what happens on the other end, it's, you know, giving the receiver a good ball and um, throwing, getting the ball to where it needs to go based on the coverage. So I hold myself to a higher standard and, uh, no matter what happened on the other end tonight, man, I, I know I can play better football. Um, and so I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not running from it. Um, so I'm excited for the next opportunity to show that. Oh, welcome to Brother from Another. And before we get started, and before we address what we just saw there and what we just heard from Justin Fields and Joshua Dobbs, Connor Rogers. What's that like? Hey, man, this is not the uh, is it confusing because you came in the front door. You came in the front door today. Right. Usually you come, you know, come through the window, come through the side door with the FaceTime, you get a whole uh, intro. Ladies and gentlemen, Connor Rogers. And then you come in uh, and now you just now you just here. You stayed overnight. What's up, man? What is up, Holly? I'm so pumped to be here. I had to make sure a couple times. I was asking everybody. I'm like, so the full hour, right? Like, it's not a mistake. You, you really want to listen to me. You want to listen to me for the full hour. And what a better, what better time to do it right now? Coming off a huge Thanksgiving week of games, weekend of games, a kind of game on Monday Night Football for whatever that was. I'm so happy to be here with you, man. Yeah. So it's like, hey, hey Connor, it's like when you go to somebody's house, you visited their house. You visited. You visit it for many times. Then one time, you know, your buddy says, hey, why don't you stay over? Why don't you stay over? And then you got to ask the parents and the parents are like, okay, who's in their house? Yeah, they got any crazy. They got any crazy uncles. Okay. Have I met everybody before? <laughs> yeah, before, yeah. before I let you stay over. Let me, let me go scout out. And like, and some people will let you uh, sleep under. They'll let you stay a little later. Let, let you stay until you know, eight thirty, nine, and the parents come pick you up, and they'll bring you back in the morning and say you kind of had a sleepover. You know, some strange times out there. Anyway, don't let me uh, don't let me digress. We'll go 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 into territory that we don't need to get into. But speaking of territory, we don't need to get into. Let's start with Josh Dobbs first. Josh Dobbs, because Connor, man, I came on here and said, "Ooh, maybe Minnesota found something," just like. And it's inexplicable. Just like Seattle found something with Geno Smith and they didn't expect to. And just like Detroit found something with Jared Goff and they didn't expect it. Maybe Minnesota found something. Minnesota has its next Case Keenum. A guy who can take (laughs) him to the playoffs and 
and win a game in the Minnesota America and all this stuff. And then, uh, oh man, oh man, I, yeah, he's, I know he's a great story, Connor. He's been a bit of a turnover machine in Minnesota. And last night, four interceptions, he probably lost his job. So you look at Josh Dobbs, uh, what do you see? Do you see the positive or do you see a guy who's about to go to the bench? Well, I think going all the way back to his college career at Tennessee, and now he's been a guy that's jumped around multiple teams, three this year. I mean, he goes from the Browns and the Cardinals, the Vikings. He's somebody that he has improved. He has been able to make more plays with his legs. Before last night, it felt like he was cutting down on some of the mistakes. So you want to be careful with Dobbs where we don't want to do this thing that we built him up so high after a nice stretch of games and then just tear him down and say it was all a lie after one tough game, especially a game that, you know, he hasn't gotten to play with Justin Jefferson yet. That'll make a big difference. We saw some rookie moments from Jordan Addison last night. We've seen some bizarre drops, you know, from TJ Hawkinson during the stretch as well. Dobbs had his game last night where a lot of it's going to be on his shoulders. But I think, number one, some of the interceptions were tipped. The one by Jalen Johnson was a great play. There's no doubt. Dobbs is a backup journeyman in this league, right? Because of those mistakes. But the Vikings, they have no choice right now. They should let him play through them and see what happens. You think so? I think uh, so. Yeah, I think because, it's fair. Hey, listen, I, I I think it might be fair, but but O'Connell last night, head coach Kevin O'Connell, once you start bringing, he's mentioning. Now, I know yeah, he, he is. is great with the media. He's great with the media. But he started mentioning, hey, we're getting healthier. We're getting healthier now. We got, not in addition to Dobbs, you know, we got this guy, we got this guy. Yeah, Jared Hall. Wait a, yeah. oh, wait a minute. If he's mentioning their options at quarterback, uh, it seems that they may go in a different direction. But I, I look at them, uh, Connor, at 6-6, six and six, and I mean, the losses that they've had, I mean, they've had their last two losses, I'm just going to call them. They're bad losses. Forget about like the four interceptions from Dobbs yeah. last night. They still were in position. That's how bad the Bears were. We'll get to, uh, Bears are. We'll get to them in a second. Anytime, anytime you're, the opposing quarterback throws four interceptions, and when he threw his fourth, you know how many points um, the Bears had? Nine. He had thrown four interceptions, and they only had nine points. So... They were still in that game. They very easily could have won it despite the turnovers from Dobbs. And then the, the Broncos game, that game in Denver, uh, that was a bad loss too. They did a, enough there to win that game, uh, and they lost it. Those two bad losses, and now they're going to their bye. The schedule down the stretch is favorable if you consider that the Bengals don't have Joe Burrow. Uh, you got the Packers at home. You should be able to win that game. You got two against the Lions. Can you split against the Lions? Uh, can you see the Vikings making the playoffs or you think they fall just short? They got a shot because of how it says more about the NFC, right? And he, he's dealt a tough hand when you show that schedule. All those games they lost with Kirk Cousins at the beginning of the year. They got there and their room for losses was a very, very narrow, narrow space. So I think that... Man, Jordan loves playing a lot better. I don't think that Green Bay game is a lock at all. Yeah, you got the Lions twice. We know how bad their defense has been, but we know they could score points. All right, the Jake Browning Bengals. The Raiders have been a tough out since Antonio Pierce took over that team. I I think they got a shot because of the conference, but I think when you look at them actually being a threat right now, especially with the turnovers, 
and maybe it goes to further enhance your point maybe they do give the ball to somebody else because of the bye week in that situation where you go well now we have the extra time to get somebody else ready we think justin jefferson's going to be ready out of the bye right now maybe it's a time where we make another switch and try to make that final run maybe that ends up hurting Dobbs. but i would actually argue the opposite that this is finally time for a dude that got there had no time to learn the system no time to learn anyone's names to take a deep breath get a rapport going with justin jefferson and try to make that final push in a weak conference now, uh, I'll tell you an organization that doesn't want to hear about your quarterback problems, a fan base that doesn't want to hear about your quarterback problems, uh, that would be the Chicago Bears. They don't want to hear about it. I I'll tell you, uh, Connor, uh, first time, really, the first time I met Matt Casey, he said, hey, I'm going to show you something that, you know, you know, the kind of stuff that we can do uh, production-wise. Some of the stuff, you know, that, that we've done, we put on the air. And it's like the first time I met him. He showed me a clip. It was brilliant. He showed me a clip. I think it's like six minutes of they were talking about Bears quarterbacks. This is on PFT, I think, of, of Florio talking about Bears quarterbacks. And for six minutes, they go <laughs> through all the Bears quarterbacks, maybe like since 2000. I don't know how far back it goes, but it's just ridiculous. Like, guys, you forgot, you forgot they played for the Bears. This organization has struggled mightily. I mean, I'd say akin to maybe the Browns. Maybe the Browns had like 20 quarterbacks in 20 years or something. I had some crazy Jets stuff. are up there with them. But, yeah, yeah oh, the Jets. I, I'm sorry. Well, I forgot who I'm talking to. Of course. The of course. Browns for the sure, but I know it all too yeah. well with the Jets. But I think the Bears have had more, but just the sheer volume. Right. We got to figure out. We got to figure out which organization has, has cycled, recycled, uh, shout out Black Thought upcycled. Like we, how many, how many quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks uh, have have organizations seen in a short amount of time? The Chicago Bears have seen a lot. And the one last night, look, I gotta tell you, Connor, I saw him uh, in college, and I was saying as I was watching the game last night, I said, it's amazing what's happened to him since college. I never thought he would be this guy. I never thought he'd be this guy in the pros. He could, obviously, the running ability has always been there, but we've seen more running ability like this and making like running over people and all this kind of stuff. We've seen more of this in the pros. In college, I saw the passer. I yes. saw the confidence. I saw the last throw last night. And it's so and this is this is Justin Fields. This is his problem. This is Justin Fields in a nutshell. First down last night on the drive that led to the field goal. First down, disaster. Just a terrible, terrible throw, terrible execution. Second down, terrible throw, terrible execution. And I said before third down, I said, this is who Justin Fields is. He can put that out there, and he'll come up with something brilliant on the very next play. Sure enough, boom, dart right over the middle. Get, they get down to like the 10 or 15-yard line, and, you know, they're in position to win the game. I really don't know how to assess him. I would take a chance on him if I'm not the Bears. See, in Chicago, I understand. I understand. You, you've seen enough, and you may want to move on. If I'm another franchise, say New England, uh, if I'm another franchise that is looking for a quarterback, I might take a chance on Justin Fields. How about you? Because I'm fascinated by the way you structured your feed. Uh, and you asked a question about fields. How many quarterbacks, uh, you know, essentially how many quarterbacks would you take? 
uh, or where do you put Justin Fields? I, I answer your own question. Where do you put Justin Fields? How do you see him? Right. He's a guy that he's going to get that second chance, Holly, and he deserves it. And it's a little bit of everything with the field situation. I, I don't understand how a guy that in terms of deep throwing 20 plus yards, he's grading out at, at an elite rate. I mean, he's 15 to 31 on 20 plus yard passes of the year. He's thrown seven touchdowns and no picks on those deep throws. Last night, they go into the game and he's just throwing screen after screen. I believe his average depth of target was the third lowest of any game a quarterback has had this year. Like the Bears went into the game and said, we are not going to let you play. And that to me tells me what the Bears think of Justin Fields, whether that's fair or not. It, it feels like they have handicapped this quarterback. It feels like it's affected his confidence. You see, you brought up a great point how he's such a more impactful runner as a pro than he was in college, but it's the opposite with the passing. And the bottom line is when yeah. you run a lot in this league and you take those hits, you get hurt. He's got hurt every year he's been a starter. You fumble the ball. It just doesn't – Lamar Jackson does that, the best runner in the league at the position. It's going to happen. So what happened to him as a passer? Who's the team that can t trade, what, day two capital, probably conditional day two capital, bring him in and say – our system for you is going to be based on the threat of you running and pushing the ball vertically because it's either going to force the defense to yes. come up and respect you yes. as a runner and if they do that challenge over the top if they don't then beat them with your legs but the bears go into games i'm not making excuses for justin fields he has his own problems and there's a reason they're going to take caleb williams or drake may with that number one overall pick from the panthers you need this offense is not built for him and it feels like this is a regime that is not fully invested in him anymore right now and it's probably best for both sides that he gets a fresh start somewhere and he will get that you know what connor um it's, it's a great analysis and you know this is this comes back to i'm gonna make it about you know media you know, instant analysis too because when justin fields think about when he he got uh, he caused uh, some controversy then he came back and he had to clarify, but when he was talking about, he was honest. So you can't be, you can't be too honest in the media. You got to be, you got to be honest when media members want you to be honest. You got to be honest on their terms, not on your terms. So when they asked him earlier in the year, hey, what, what you know, what do you attribute to some of your struggles or you know some of these uh, you know inconsistencies? And you know what he said? He said coaching. He said coaching is part of it, but he wasn't tearing the coaching staff down. He just mentioned that along with other things. He's right. He's right. And it doesn't mean anybody's a villain. It's exactly what you said. Maybe this coaching staff and it happens with a lot of players. Maybe this yeah. coaching staff just hasn't figured out the best way to use them or make it a little bit more sinister. Maybe this coaching staff doesn't trust him. Maybe he doesn't trust their coaching for whatever reason. Uh, you know, nobody has to be like an awful. Uh, there's no awful entity here. It just may be a bad fit, but I would take them. I, I'd say there are a handful of teams in the league where I look at Justin Fields and I say, all right, uh, and I think a, a, a good offensive coordinator and, and let's face it, the Bears don't have one, but a good offensive uh, coordinator, an imaginative offensive coordinator could work with him and and make him go. I, I'll just put it this way. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Somebody like Mike McDaniel, <laughs> right? Because I was That's so, right. I was because I was I was kind of I was critical of, of Mike McDaniel when he first took the job. I was wrong. He's done a really good job in Miami. But somebody like Mike McDaniel could look at Justin Fields 
say, okay, I can get it to work. So I, I'll, I look forward to seeing what will happen. I don't think the Bears will trade out when they get that number one pick because Carolina, we'll talk about them in a few minutes. Carolina is that bad. Uh, so I think the number one pick is going to the Bears. When they get the number one pick, they're probably going to take a quarterback. Now, we've talked about a backup quarterback. You call him a career journeyman and, and Joshua Dobbs. That's fair. We talked about an inconsistent quarterback. And Justin Fields, let's talk about an MVP level quarterback, Connor, who has chaos all around him, who's in crisis, uh, has already lost his offensive coordinator this year. We're talking about Josh Allen. So Josh Allen has lost his offensive coordinator last year. The team lost his defensive coordinator last year when Sean McDermott decided that he was going to call the plays and now that they're six and six, they've lost six games. Uh, maybe there will be more jobs lost. Maybe the general manager might have to go. Maybe the head coach uh, will have to go. And Josh Allen is standing here, and I think he takes the brunt of it. For some reason, there's like a there's a Josh Allen fan club, but there's a Josh Allen haters club. There's oh, yeah. some Josh Allen haters out there, big time. Uh, and Lawrence Jackson, I'm not coddling. I'm not coddling. <laughs> okay, I'm not coddling. Josh, see what you say. I'm not coddling him on social media, but I'm just trying to understand there's a, that's a hater stat. 0-6 in overtime. That's a hater. Hater. Just hate. One of those losses. It's just one of them. He never even touched the ball. But he gets that loss. Anyway, uh, what do you make of this team? And what do you make of this quarterback? They're so fascinating to me because to me, the head coach and Sean McDermott, he's just running out of places to point the finger here, Holly, right? I mean, with what happened to Leslie Frazier, and we all know Leslie didn't just walk away. And then obviously Dorsey was fired when Dorsey had his own problems as well. But the crux of this team right now is that the defense is failing them right now. And the actual full scale of the team is failing them with lack of aggression um, and I get it. Like everyone else, they've had their fair share of injuries on the defense. Nobody is, you know, looking away from that. But the fact that it's so bizarre, the Eagles game is the perfect example. They waste a timeout to try to ice the kicker, which the kick was from almost 60 yards. You still have two timeouts right. left in 20 seconds if he makes this miracle kick. He makes the kick. Jake Elliott, unbelievable. Why did you burn the timeout to ice him when you have Josh Allen on your team? You have all of these weapons. Right. This has happened to you. You've seen teams go down the field on you in 13 seconds. You have 20 seconds. Yeah. You would have had two timeouts. Instead, you only had the one timeout and you kneel it. You're telling me they couldn't at least get a shot in field goal range? How are you coaching scared with a $40 million quarterback that's in the conversation for the MVP every year? That's on the coach. And then everybody always, this is the thing. I can't believe I'm defending Josh Allen to this level because I've seen him lose games. Week one against the yeah. Jets when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, he lost them that oh, game. Yeah. He threw that, oh, he did. He he, threw he that game away. The last couple of weeks, whether it was the too many men on the field, whether it's the multiple leads he's gotten them, it's been the defense. He gets them the leads, and they constantly can't make a play. They constantly can't make a stop. And the bottom line is, then if he has one turnover in the game, everybody goes, well, Josh Allen threw the ball away. It's cherry-picking at that point. Quarterbacks, aggressive, great quarterbacks, are going to turn the ball over. But when you when they get you the lead, because that's what makes them great, they put you in an advantageous position to win time and time again, and you can't do anything to stop them. 
That's on the coach who was brought there as a defensive coach and bad yeah, decision that's making, the problem. And lack of aggression. That's my problem, Holly. This is not out of yeah. all the years and times and games. This is the one time it's not time to blame Josh Allen. It's time to blame Sean McDermott. Yeah, it's a fair point. It really is. And I'm not even blaming him because I know a lot of people started watching Buffalo and blaming Buffalo when, when they lost at home. That playoff game, really, the playoff game yeah. in Cincinnati. Uh, that really set a lot of people up. Oh, okay, Buffalo's window is closing. I never bought it. The window doesn't have to be closed. You lost the playoff game. Uh, you were oh. overwhelmed at home uh, by the Cincinnati Bengals, who, and we know what happened in the first game. The game was suspended, but uh, in, in that game, they looked like the better team. In, in Cincinnati, they did. That game was suspended, so we didn't know uh, what the result w- would be. And then they go to Buffalo, and they looked right at home in Buffalo in the snow. So I'm not really going to knock him for that. What I'm going to knock him for is, look, you put the you put the onus on yourself when you decided to get rid of Leslie Frazier and take over play calling yourself. That suggests to me and the ownership and the fan base that we're about to be an upgrade. You're about to see an upgrade now. If, if we're out of here, if, if, if we've got our defensive coordinator who had the number one defense, last year statistically and I had some issues with the bills on, on defense. I, I get I get it. I think the numbers kind of didn't tell an accurate story of who they were. I never thought they were shut down defense even though they were number one defense, but they look worse. They look worse on defense in critical situations. I Connor the worst thing I can say about a Sean McDermott defense is that when the game's on the line either four minute drill two minute drill. You don't fear them. They're not no. going to do anything to scare you. There's no complexity. There's no, oh, watch out. There's nothing. I know Matt Milano's not there. Great player. You don't have him. And so that changes things. He's an amazing player. But still, we're not making excuses. We're not making excuses. You're supposed to be that guy. And you made the team worse uh, at, at a position, at an area that was once a strength. Right. I mean, there's no killer instinct. It feels like whenever the game's on the line and they need to stop. And, and yeah, you bring up Milano being out, and that's a big one, but every team's got one of those by this time of the year. Where Where's Ed Oliver in that spot? Where's the veteran safety tandem that's had success for six years over there? Where, you know, where right. are these guys? And Von Miller's been working his way and ramping back up from injury, so that's a tough situation as well. But that's what you got right there. So where, where is the, the blitz um, that completely you know, blindsides the quarterback or the fake of the faking of the blitz. I think also they sit in a soft zone all the time. They get picked apart. They don't have the pass rush necessarily to compensate for that. You're right, Holly. I mean, it's just a line of they have not had somebody come up and make that big play in that big spot. And the Eagles was the pinnacle of it all with the way that game ended. I hear knocking. Uh, somebody's knocking at the usual Connor Rogers door. That's right. But you, know, you don't even have to knock. But Connor, you got to the point you didn't have to knock. You just... Just walked in. I just kick it down. You just yeah. walked in. Right, wait, wait, listen, you got to kick the door now. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> it's not that kind of neighborhood. <laughs> it's not That's that fair. kind of neighborhood. I'll slowly We've been in that kind of neighborhood, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, no. Yeah, I'll say we first round's on me. Yeah. We're going to send you, yeah, we'll, we'll send you the bill for that one now. We cool. <laughs> we ain't that cool. Knock my damn door down. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. We're going to talk about the Panthers next. <laughs> Obviously, that record's not good enough. Um, you know, there's no hiding it. It is what it is, like everything in this sport. Everything's left on the field. Everybody knows what it is every week. Um, that record's that record. And like I said, it's not good enough. We're going to self-reflect and make it better. I do have patience. I'm just not... <laughs> my reputation away from this game is one for extreme patience. You know, there's no reason why that doesn't, you know, come here too. It does. Now, that patience comes with good performance and things that you want to see progress be made on in different aspects. Um, and as, you know, as I said, you know, I would like to have somebody here for 20, 30 years. I'd like to have somebody that would say eulogy at my funeral in 30 years. Okay, maybe it's 40 years, I hope. But uh, that's what I'd like to have. I'm just like, this this dude right here. <laughs> I mean, I just don't even know what to say with that, uh, to say about that. That's David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. We're talking about the Panthers today because, one, they have the worst record in football. I maintain the Patriots are the worst team in football, but the Panthers have the worst record at one and ten. And they now have an interim coach uh, for the second year in a row because Tepper, uh, after 11 games, fired Frank Reich. And so to help us understand, to help us psychoanalyze the Carolina <laughs> Panthers, we got uh, Sheena Quick. Uh, you're all over this, Sheena. First of all, hey, <laughs> how do you... How do you explain this latest move? Because even for the Panthers and struggling and, and uh, not getting what they expected out of Bryce Young, et cetera, et cetera, this seems to be a bit impulsive. Uh, how do you explain this move? He's embarrassed. Um, the Panthers sit at one in 10. You kind of sold the farm to go up to one and grab Bryce. So you have no first round pick, which a lot of people are like, yeah, you just traded up just to end up earning the first round pick the following season. But of course that goes to Chicago. I think at one in 10, he had to do something. He had to show some, I don't know if this move was just performative. I mean, it was, it's a hell of a swing because I was expecting a position to coach to go first. I'm not surprised that there's been firings, but I didn't think he was going to swing for the fences like that. I didn't think Frank Reich was going to make it past season one, but as the losses mounted up, we didn't see any personnel changes. This team was getting worse every week there's no improvement no light at the end of the tunnel so i guess he figured you know to cut his losses early instead of letting it linger like he did with matt rule 
Sheena, I want to ask you this, looking at this team right now. I mean, sure, Mm -hmm. Frank Reich, it did not go well this year. No one's denying that. But I think a huge problem that has trickled down to Bryce's struggles as a young player is this roster. And and they've had their fair share of injuries. No one's denying that. But it's a roster that's in easily the bottom third of the league. And that might be even being Mm -hmm. polite right now. Do you look at there being any kind of shakeup or at least questions now being asked about the guys that are in charge of, you know, constructing this entire roster that's failed them? That's what was supposed to happen today. And we got maybe six Mm. questions in, seven questions in. Everyone was looking around the auditorium like, is that it? You know, even David Tepper seemed a little bit shocked that they were ending the presser when they did. It was right at 10 minutes. And then a journalist was able to get his question about Bryce versus CJ Stroud in at the last minute. And that ended up being 14 minutes. But I think that the fan base, the media that covers this team, everyone needs answers. And I don't think that today's press conference did anything to answer any of those questions. A large portion of it was spent talking about the events that were brought to, to Charlotte. You know, you even talked about um, Messi coming to Charlotte, bringing soccer to Charlotte and concerts, everything but the Carolina Panthers and what you have to do to improve this team today because again you don't have that first round pick next um next season you have a couple of stars on the defensive side that you have to get ready to pay this offseason everyone wants to know what's going to happen to scott fitterer and unfortunately we didn't get any answer or any inclination or any type of direction hint or anything of that nature today which was probably the most disappointing part of this press conference all right, uh, maybe the most disappointing uh, point of the press conference from for me as an outsider looking in is a journalist not being able to ask a question. So according to Scott Fowler, uh, columnist for the Charlotte Observer, he sat in the front row. Sheena sat up he in did. the front row right here in the front, raised his hand, was right. Hey, 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 me, 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 pick me. Uh, and they would not take his question which suggests, not even suggests, I mean, look, you know what happened. Scott Fowler yeah. wrote a column. Scott Fowler wrote a column before, and he said, you know what? Mm-hmm. David Tepper fired Frank Wright, but he should fire himself. David Tepper read the column, and he probably went to somebody uh, and said, look, we ain't dealing with this dude. Uh, you, know, yeah. you make sure you make sure he doesn't uh, have a chance to embarrass me. He doesn't have a chance to answer a question. So they wouldn't take his question. Now I got to say this. I, I, I'm, I'm always on the side of the media. Look, the media uh, dealing with the media and having that healthy exchange is good for everybody. Even the, the subjects, they don't understand that they try to. Yeah. They want the soft coverage. Hard coverage helps you and it helps us. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know what I would have done, Sheena? I just would have yelled your question out anyway. Don't call on that's me. What the, don't call on me. That's what the journalist <laughs> did at the end. That's what the journalist did at the end. You know how sometimes they'll preface it with like, okay, this will be the last question. We didn't even get that that warning. You know, um, Joe person from the athletic asked the question. And as soon as well, I don't even know if Joe was the last person. I feel like Joe was the last person. If not, someone asked the question. And we weren't told until um until David Tepper finished that answer was up. Oh, that was the last one. And we were all kind of like, what? So Brett Jensen was able to still squeeze his his question in there. And, you know, David Tepper did accommodate him and answer that. But um, I I definitely feel Scott Fowler on this. This is not the beginning of the Scott Fowler, David Tepper beef. Like (laughs) when he fired uh, Matt Rule and and addressed the media, he told Scott then he said, listen, Scott, I read your column and you should know better. So the Tepper and and, and Fowler beef 
isn't new. It's something that has kind of reached a boiling point today, it seems like, with him being um, iced out. But the explanation given, because a lot of us had our hands raised and were not called on um, when when David Tepper was speaking, but the answer we were given was that every outlet that that raised their hand was able to ask a question. And there was someone else from The Observer. There was someone else from The Observer that asked the question, so that covered the base of The Observer being represented today. That that's oh, the explanation that was See, given. Bush League, yes, Bush League. You you want to be you want to be a major yeah. franchise. You want to you want to run with the big dogs. You can't perform like that. Yeah, Connor, can you imagine in New York City? Hey, hey David Tepper in New York City. I'm sorry, we've already answered we've answered one post question. Uh, uh no no we already answered that. that. Like come on, you ready? Oh, we already yeah. heard from the fan. That's enough. You can't do that. You can't. You just can't get through with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. Well, what's uh, more, Sheena, what's more jarring ahead, is that the Charlotte Business Journal was able to ask a question. That's someone that does not cover this team. That's someone that's not in the locker room. That's not. That's someone that you know, for all intents and purposes, I was surprised that they were even there. But it, it was egregious to to be able to just kind of witness that where they were able to get their question in, and Scott Fowler wasn't, and he was sitting right there in the front row. That really is. Sheena. That just tells me it's it's yeah. la- they're lacking awareness and that falls all the way from the top down because obviously there's, you know, a message being sent from the top down to the PR staff of, you know, who might be getting questions in and or just saying, hey, you know, this is who's here every yeah. day. And that's not listen, it, you brought up the point, Holly, like here in New York, but everywhere, like you're not going to win that war. You're just kind of putting you're sparking the fire even worse. Now this is dragging out yeah. where there's obviously a reporter very upset with his relationship with the team. And instead of being able to squash that or answer his question or at least have an adult conversation before or after, now it's public. Now it's on Twitter. Now it's in a tweet. Everybody's going to be responding to it. And I'll say this, you know whose side nobody will be taking, the public won't be taking? It's Tepper's and the bullseye, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, Sheena. That's exactly it. Yeah. I wonder, uh, I mean, it was was disappointing. Yeah, tell me, like, who would be a, who would be a, a good head coach? Uh, and I want to hear from both of you on this one. Who'd be a, a good head coach for the Panthers, realistically? Who, who, who oh, would man, do that's a, a good job in this role? Yeah, that's go ahead. a little loaded. It, it, it depends on on David Tepper's involvement. He said today that you know he gets a lot of flack for being too heavily involved in the, in the football operation side of things. But he said that, you know, when it comes to staff question or staff decisions and roster decisions, that he doesn't even vote on that stuff until the end. He says he comes in as the quote unquote last piece. So it depends on how he's going to approach this coaching search, what he's going to do at GM, because I think that the GM and head coach um, should be in tandem. And he has not done that during his tenure. He fired Ron Rivera, kept Marty Herney. Fire, hired uh, Matt Rule, fired Marty Herney, hired Scott Fitterer, fired Matt Rule. So he has never got just have had just a complete clean sweep. Um, I do think that it could be an attractive job, and what attract would attract people to that job is the opportunity to work with Bryce Young and those young stars over on the defensive side of the field. But it just depends on David Tepper having some patience. Which this move today, like you said earlier, screams impulse moves. But he said that he has actually, away from the game of football, known to be a very patient person in the other aspects of his business life. And that his patience is tied to good performance. And he just simply has not had that in his coaching hires. So I can't even answer who would be a good head coach because it depends on how they're going to be able to gel with David Tepper and whether he's going to have his hands in the cookie jar or not. 
Sheena, you make a great point about the lack of alignment with the GM and the head coach and timelines. I mean, I've seen that uh, throughout my career here in New York. It's been a big yeah. problem for the Jets at different times. You you got to find a way to align the GM and the head coach to make them lockstep so the roster is in line with what the coaching staff needs. And that's clearly something the Panthers are lacking, which is going to be really interesting for the future for Scott Fitterer. But Holly, to answer your question, it feels like owners always go a different direction from what just failed them, right? They've tried the culture builder with Matt Rule. Uh, they've tried, obviously, the quarterback whisperer with Frank Reich. I mean, maybe they look at a guy like Dan Quinn, who's a big-time players guy. He's took it, taken a team really, really far. He's a defensive mind. He's been able to hire an offensive staff to supplement his shortcomings with an offensive staff before that will help Bryce. I mean, that's a guy that's been a hot name in coaching cycles. He's decided to stay with Dallas, but he's going to take another job soon. And he's a little bit different than what Tepper's had in recent years. That's All really right, so, interesting. So, a lot of the fans wanted Ben Johnson. But that, that is an interesting oh. um, approach because Frank Wright was the only offensive-minded head coach in franchise history. That was the very first offensive-minded uh, hire, and that was the reason that was given that Steve Wilkes wasn't able to retain um, the head coaching job after doing such a good job as the interim on the back end of last season. Well, uh, it, it's funny here because uh, when the Panthers hire that next coach, that coach will be the seventh under Tepper Tepper took over in 2018. So that's going to be uh, seven coaches in six years uh, for wow. for the Panthers. And the irony here, the irony here is that David Tepper was a minority owner in Pittsburgh. So that's seven coaches for the Panthers in six years. The Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers have had three coaches, three coaches in over 50 years. They had three coaches in the last 54 years. And one of those coaches uh, is Mike Tomlin. So I wonder, and, and as, I, as I try to encourage, as we end this conversation, I want to encourage the Panthers as we look forward to what could be. The Steelers have done a very good job and a very intentional job, Connor, of thoroughly investigating, thoroughly interviewing available candidates. They usually hire a young coach. So Chuck Knoll was hired in his 30s. Uh, Bill Cower was hired in his 30s. Mike Tomlin hired in his 30s. They know they will struggle at some point. They're like, we good. We got your back. We got a front office structure. We're not, we're usually not going to trade our first round pick. We're going to use that. We're usually not going to spend lavishly in free agency. We got a system. We got you. Go ahead and do your thing. And Connor, uh, it's kind of working for uh, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, isn't it? It really has. I mean, Tomlin is a guy that just never has a losing season. Even when the roster isn't where it needs to be, he finds a way to scratch out games. He hires a great staff. When he loses guys, he can replace them. When guys don't uh, get the job done, like we saw with Matt Canada, it's time for them to go. And I think it all starts, Holly, with them being such a stable organization, right? You look at the Steelers, and that starts with ownership. It does. And, and they have patience. They understand what works. They understand how to connect certain GMs with certain coaches. And they build a culture there that it can it doesn't fall apart when one guy leaves or they lose a player. It is absolutely the organization that is the culture. And that's headlined by Mike Tomlin, who it feels like it's unbelievable. This guy's never been coach of the year. It really blows my wow. mind. I think this is truly the year. Yeah, he doesn't even crazy. get votes to the top three, by the way. That's the, the more jarring stat in that. 
I think the way the Steelers' schedule is laid out and what he's done with this team, with Kenny Pickett under center, I think this is finally the year for Mike Tomlin that he gets that recognition. Sheena, I think uh, I, I'm just going to call it. I don't know how it's going to happen. It's going to be weird. When they clinch it, it's going to be weird. I think the Steelers are going to win the AFC North. All respect to Baltimore. I said oh. all respect to Cleveland. I think the Steelers, who are a game behind Baltimore yet, have a victory over Baltimore where they stole it from them. I mean, Baltimore <laughs> outplayed them for 59 minutes of a 60-minute game, and the Steelers won that game. So I think the Steelers are going to win the North. But when you look, uh, Sheena, at Pittsburgh and the stability and contrast it uh, with what you cover uh, daily, uh, what do you think and what do you see? One of the things that pops out, and I know it's been kind of circulating around the circles. I have not been able to confirm this. I don't know if Coach Tomlin would confirm it. But they said that that uh, when when David Tepper was in Pittsburgh, he was trying to get Mike Tomlin out the paint. I don't know how true that is. Um, that would be very interesting if that if that were true and if that actually did happen. Um, but it's it's like you said, even when the roster doesn't isn't quite where it needs to be, he's able to restructure his game plan, his schemes and everything else to fit who he has. And that's something that we saw the Panthers struggle with just in this early season. That's that goes again with the GM and the head coach alignment. You got one GM that's wanting to play smash mouth football and has been successful at, at it at the end of last season. Then you have another coach that comes in here with Frank Wright this season saying, Hey, that's not our brand of football. They won with that brand last year. For whatever reason, I'm not doing it this year. And that problem with that problem, you have personnel and scheme fits where you have offensive line that's a power blocking offensive line that can't protect Bryce Young in pass protection. And that's what we're seeing, like the glaring difference. If you look and look at the stats and see how many times Bryce Young has been not only sacked but hit and pressured. You know, that that's one of those things that I think in, in Pittsburgh they have a plan and they stick to it. They don't abandon it really quickly and they make sure that they bring people on board that are in tandem, in, in com, not compliance, I'm sorry, but in agreement with where things are going, everybody's in one direction. Instead of this guy wants to do this scheme, this guy wants to do this one, he wants to do a 3-4, but the GM signed these free agents. And that's what you're seeing in Carolina. There's a complete disconnect in all three phases of the game. Special teams are doing well. When the defense is playing well, the offense can't score. When the offense is playing well, the defense can't stop a nosebleed. And until they get someone that's in line and has the same set of goals and the same uh, trajectory and, and, and timeline on how quickly they want to complete those goals. We'll continue to see a franchise that's just a complete disconnect. And that's, you know, showing itself today, showing itself now in a one in 10 season. Well, Sheena, uh, when the Panthers hire a coach, when they finally get a coach, we'll have you back on and we can talk about the new guy who I mentioned yesterday to Michael Smith. The new guy probably should be the old guy. Hey, I think Steve Wilkes Steve Wilkes might take the job. I don't think he's going to take a big hit. I hate big head takes from the Panthers. I could be wrong. I don't know if <laughs> if, if Steve Wilkes is going to answer a hey big head text from David Tepper. The culture would love it. You don't it. think so? The, the fan base would love it. I don't think he's going to take the hey big head text. Really? Okay. I don't. All right. I mean, he can prove me wrong. Hey. It, look, it was fun when Wilkes was was here. It was a blast. They were yeah. protecting the bang. They played it. It was just a different atmosphere. The fans were excited. Like you said, a culture builder. Yes, that's the guy. That's I saw that record. <laughs> I saw David Tepper's record. All those coaches, and only one coach was at five hundred, and that was your interim coach in, in twelve Steve games. Wilkes. That's crazy, right? That's Come on. crazy. Twelve games. That's crazy. <laughs> 
All right, Sheena, great stuff. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Anytime. Sheena. Excuse me for a second. Pops Can on the mic. we stop all the boo and let these guys play? It's our nose last. It's not who we are. Knock off the boo. Well, oh, what prompted the, um, uh, the plea to the fans to stop booing that call? Well, I think anybody that knows anything about sports, you don't poke the bear. It's unfortunate. You know, fans think they can say whatever they want. You know, I'm not going to say it now because it's not appropriate, but um, I'm just protecting myself. Fans kind of have the right of way to kind of say whatever they want. Uh, but like I told you, any disrespect to me, my family, I won't allow it. When I was first starting the league, I maybe not so much. I used to get into it a little bit. But now having kids and understanding how important it is, not just myself, but my last name, understanding what Westbrook means, understanding what how important that is to you know, my dad, my grandfather, my family. It's very important. It's a, something I stand on, and the respect is a big thing that's, that I value. Um, so the moment that line gets crossed, I won't allow it no more. I, I stood for it for years, and now oh my, my son is old enough to know what's going on and understanding, hey, you know, asking me, hey, dad, what does that mean? Or what's that? Now i gotta, now I got to stand on it, and regardless of where I'm at, what's going on, I'm always stand on that. You know, Connor, I, I wanted to talk about this topic for a while, and it's funny when I first had the thought. So the first thing you heard and first thing you saw, uh, for those uh, watching on Peacock TV, thank you. You saw it. Watching on YouTube, uh, thank you so much. Listening on Sirius XM Channel 85, we love you. Appreciate you. So I'll tell you, I'll just walk you through the traffic. First thing we saw was San Antonio Spurs coach Greg Popovich grabbing a mic in the middle of a game. Spurs versus Clippers. Kawhi Leonard at the line. He grabs a mic and says, stop. Hey, can we stop the booing? Can we stop that? That's not who we are. Then he explains. He, he, he doubles down. He said, look, look, this our society has gotten to this point where we just mean to each other. We don't appreciate it. Hey, Kawhi Leonard, he's a champion here. He's a spur. We don't treat him like that. You know, a classy guy, good guy. Then you had Russell Westbrook last night. A fan, <clears throat> according to Westbrook, said something that crossed the line. And so he's like, I'm not going to take this from a fan. And they, they go back and forth. So th- that happened last night. The Popovich thing happened over the weekend, Connor. 
And then on Sunday, we didn't even mention this because of the great game between Philadelphia and Buffalo. Buffalo Bills player goes up to the stands, <laughs> goes up to the stands in Philly and shoves a fan. So just the the topic of player fan interaction. Let me ask you, is there a line? You're in you're Absolute, in New York, yeah. I'm in Boston. Yeah, yeah, you're in New York, I'm in Boston. <laughs> now these are not easy places no. uh, to play. And a lot of people where we are in the Northeast, they're like, what line are you talking about? <laughs> we don't really know about a line, but is there a line? And if so, what is it? There's a line. And I think it's it's so, you know, all over the place because, number one, as we show the Bills situation, fans of football games are typically further away from players. Like, basketball is an, it can be an intimate setting, especially when it's quiet. I mean, you have literally fans sitting on the court, which is always, it seems more wild to me than we realize. But, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of financial aspects of that. The, the football one, as tough as it may be, unless they throw something at you, you probably want to let this one go. It's just, it's just, just not a good look for the players. But when you look at basketball, I think it speaks more about the lack of security. I mean, if a fan is that huh. close and they are saying things completely out of line, and Ru you saw Russ pointing to him initially, and security came over, they looked confused. That's a poor job. That shouldn't be allowed to go on. You you buy right. your ticket and you have your right to be frustrated, boo, which is going to bring me to pop in a second. Those things are fine. To be disrespectful, these are, this is a human being element here. I, I don't get the benefit of that. And some people will say, well, you can say whatever you want when you get an admission. I don't believe in that either. I think it's wildly disrespectful. And uh, it's a shame that Russ had to try to go handle it himself rather than security handling it first. With Pop, right comments, wrong time. Right, Holly? Say it in, say it in the post-game presser. It, it just, felt, just like a, it felt like a spectacle, man. Didn't it feel like a spectacle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I'll say this uh, before I get to pop because it's there are a couple of things with this Popovich situation. I'm like, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> All right. Before I get there, I'll just say with Westbrook, I'm on his side. I'm with Westbrook on this because he said there are many things you can say about me. You want to talk about me being a bad player? All that stuff. That's fine. Yes. Why are you talking about my family? Why are you talking about my kids? There's no reason to do that. Go ahead and say, line. you know, make make fun of Russ for like, you know, hey, you're on your 15, 16, whatever it is. You're not as good as this guy. You'll never be great. You'll never win a championship. All that stuff. You want to go ahead and do that if that gets you off. All right, fine. But there's no reason. There's no reason to talk about a, a player's, uh, you know, girlfriend, his wife, his, his kids. I mean, it's just like, it's, that's just stupid. That's just, what are you doing? Why are you even here? You shouldn't even come to the game. Okay, don't come to the game uh, if you want to do something like that. So I don't think you are allowed, if you pay for a ticket, that gives you a right to say and do anything. As a matter of fact, the back of your ticket says the opposite. Fun that facts. you can be, yeah, discretion. <laughs> At the discretion uh, of the uh, issuer, you can be you can be taken out of there without any kind of uh, without any kind of repayment. So just look, read the small print. Now, Popovich, Connor, I'm trying to think of anybody in any sport. You help me out here, because I can't think of any other coach in the NBA who would even attempt to do it. Now, Popovich is seen as kind of like this uh, godfather figure in the NBA. 
Uh, he speaks out on social issues. He's won championships. Uh, he's got quick wit. Um, you know, he has uh, he has memorable press conferences and sideline exchanges. But man, they've lost 12 games in a row. Uh, you know, quiet as it's kept, they've lost 12 straight. They lost that game where he's telling people not to boo. Hey, man, they put room. a better product out. We might boo you. Right. Put a better product out there. You've lost 12 straight. I can't think of any other coach who would have the gall, the audacity to grab the mic and be like, hey, this is not who we are. Calm down. And and give the Spurs fans credit. They didn't. They didn't stop. No. Like, Made it worse, probably. Yeah, we come to see Wimby. Um, we came to see the other team, maybe. The Spurs, you sucked last year. You suck now. Uh, we got to do something. Uh, uh, so maybe we'll maybe we won't boo Kawhi. Maybe we'll start we'll start to say why'd you get a contract extension? I, the only thing I can think of and this is this is I'll never forget this. This is way back, way back, and it was funny. It was funny. It was like this is a performative thing. Sam Weish, when he was coaching the Bengals, they were playing the Browns, the Battle of Ohio. He grabbed the mic. When people in Cincinnati were throwing stuff on the field, he said, hey, cut it out. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. We don't do that here. And the crowd went, yes, Cleveland sucks. <laughs> that's the but that's thing, playing right? to it like a wrestling character. Right. right. That's the only. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, you can do it. That's the only way you can right. pull it off. He nailed it. Connor, I'm asking for a friend in New England. Um, which college quarterback has a game that will translate best to the NFL? Listen, right now, he's not the best. Caleb and Drake May, Caleb Williams, Drake May, they are better prospects, trust me. But Michael Penix, his game today, his passing from the pocket to all levels of the field, I see a guy that translates really, really well, despite the doubters. Hey, man, come back. You don't even got to kick the door down either. Just come on I'll, in. I'll Good job. Right in. Thank you. Good Holly. job, Connor Rogers. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and 
starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 